0: Now, in talking about motivational gifts, I want to also remind you that um, motivational gifts are all about letting us know that all of us have received a gift. Uh, Peter wrote, as we quoted in the last uh, time together, Peter said, as each one has received a gift, so minister it to one another. So church is supposed to be the place where everybody is involved. There's no bench warmers. Uh, There's no people on the periphery kind of looking in, uh, you know, sitting around the edges of the water every once in a while dipping their toe in. But no, God wants all of us to distribute, to use the gift that he's given us to minister to other people. And so somebody needs your gift, what God has put in you. And that's what motivational gifts are all about. Now, last time we talked about the first two Motivational gifts of prophecy and serving. And this time we're going to cover the remaining five motivational gifts. And let me read to you once again where we find the seven motivational gifts uh, listed in the Bible. It's in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. And let's look at the screen. Let's read it together. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, we have differing gifts. Let us use them. Don't, don't let them lie dormant. If prophecy, here's the first one. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. It, or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches, in teaching. He who exhorts, in exhortation. He who gives, with liberality. And he who leads, with diligence. He who shows mercy, with cheerfulness. So, before I define once again a motivational gift, let's go to prayer and let's ask God to really open our eyes tonight and help us all to realize that uh, I've got something somebody else needs, spiritually speaking. So, let's pray. Father, thank you for your ministry in Turning Point tonight. Thank you for blessing us as we get into your word. Now, I pray for supernatural revelation and illumination to come upon the people of God, that we would realize, Lord, what you've called us to do and to be, and what you have given to us on the inside to minister to those who need a touch from Jesus. The so Lord, thank you that the Holy Spirit is here, the great teacher of the church, to open our eyes to this truth. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, quick recap. What is a motivational gift? A motivational gift is a supernatural, God-given gift accompanied with a strong inner desire to use it. I I called it last time, that divine want to do That when God puts a gift in you, and he does with every Christian, whatever gift he gives you, it is also accompanied with a desire to use it. All right? And uh, very, very important. So I say pay close attention what attracts you when it comes to ministering to other people? You know, does prayer uh, attract you? Of course, we should all pray, but I'm talking about a specific motivational gift. Does teaching attract you? Does serving others attract you? Uh, What is it that when you see people doing uh, for others in the name of Jesus, what is it that tugs on your heartstrings? And I think we need to pay very close attention to that because that can be a real signal to what God has placed in you and me uh, to use for his glory. You know, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Well, good works flow out of you and I using our spiritual motivational gifts. That's what good works flow out of. And so, look that Jesus said, we're to use them. It's it's like a light that shines in front of the people of the world, and it makes them look up and realize that God is real. When they see you and I operating in our spiritual motivational giftings, it brings light, and it brings glory to God. Now, we we may have the ability to function in more than one gift. I do. and I don't want to talk about myself. I don't like doing so, but I can tell you that there's other things I can do besides my one motivational gift, but I've realized while there might be other giftings that I can kind of flow in, I do have one primary motivational gift that dominates, dominates my motivation. All right? So you do too. Maybe you can move in other gifts, but you've got one That dominates, and that's your spiritual motivational gift. Now, let's jump right into the third motivational gift after talking about the motivational gift of prophecy and the motivational gift of serving. The third one is the motivational gift of teaching. Now, the motivational gift of teaching is really, really um, important to me because I think this is probably my primary motivational gift. It is seen in somebody who instructs, clarifies, and who is strongly motivated to preserve the truth. Okay? A person with the motivational gift of teaching has a sensitivity to the accuracy of words. Words matter, and understanding what a word means really matters to the teacher, especially the biblical definition and usage of that term. When a teacher heart comes to a passage of Scripture, uh, they don't skip across words, they don't skim-read the Bible, um, thinking, ah, you know, it's not really, all, all the various words are not that important. I'm just going to quote the verse. No, somebody with the teaching gift uh, is going to be sure that he, he or she digs in and looks up some of the words, does word searches. What did this mean in the original Greek? What did it mean in the original Hebrew? What is the definition of this word? So the teaching motivational gift finds great joy in researching uh, what words mean, what verses mean, rightly dividing the word of truth. It brings joy, all right? They, They love to research. They're natural researchers, very motivated to check out the truthfulness and the accuracy of other teachers. Did that teacher teach it right, or or did they teach something wrong, maybe even heretical? The the person with the teaching gift is going to super hone in on that and say, wait a minute. That is not what the Bible teaches. So let me clarify truth. Let me tell you what it really means. That's the gift of the teacher. In short, the motivational gift of teaching brings full focus onto discovering and teaching the truth and nothing but the truth. The verse that best describes this person is Paul's injunction to young Timothy. He said this to him in 2 Timothy 2.15, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Now that's the NASB. But in the New King James or the King James, it's going to put it this way, rightly dividing the word of truth. That means digging into the verse and not teaching what I wanted to say, but teaching what God intended to say. And that's the motivation of the genuine teacher, the the person with the motivational gift of teaching. They're going to be very diligent to be sure that they tell you the truthful interpretation of the scriptures they're dealing with. So is the Holy Spirit nudging your heart with the words, that's you, this is you? If so, then I pray you will get to teaching somewhere. Now the fourth motivational gift Paul lists is exhortation. I love this one, exhortation. The person with this motivational gift is one who urges or encourages another to pursue a certain course of conduct Uh, The the exhorter has the motivation to encourage people to get on track, get on the right track, get in the right lane, to walk that narrow road that leads to life, to do what will help them and help others. Um, The right course of conduct. The Greek word is paraklysis, paraklysis. And it's the same word used for the Holy Spirit, which is parakletos. And it's divided up this way. It's a compound word, and it's two Greek words put into one. Para means to the side of, to come alongside of. Para, to the side of. Klesis means to call. So the exhorter is one who comes alongside you and calls you or encourages you to the right course of conduct. So the meaning is is to call to one side to help. They come alongside you and help you. Uh, They encourage or admonish you to choose a godly lifestyle or to obey the Lord in a certain thing. This is what you need to do. I encourage you to do the right thing here. I encourage you to, you know, use your gift. You know, I'm exhorting a lot in this message tonight. I encourage you to use the right gift. Discover your gift and get in the game. I'm encouraging you, exhorting you to do it. While the teacher may aim for your head, the exhorter aims for your heart. All of the exhorter's efforts are geared toward edifying and encouraging others. Of all the apostles, there is no question about it, Paul the apostle was an incredible exhorter. Uh, When we look at the first three or four verses of every letter he wrote, he begins with exhortation. He ends with exhortation, and his letters are, are just littered with exhortations uh, to do this, do that, get in the game, do what is right, don't grow weary, uh, s- stay with it. God's going to be with you. God is with you. He's going to help you. Don't put up the white flag. Keep on going. That's Paul the exhorter. Listen to his words out of the Living Bible to in 1 Thessalonians five eighteen talking to church people here. Oh, how I love you. I miss you. I want to be with you. I'm praying for God's grace and God's mercy for you. So on and so forth. All of a sudden, you feel encouraged because that was Paul. And like Paul, the exhorter is always helping people to have hope. Don't lose your hope. Don't give up hope. Keep on keeping on. Uh, Things are going to turn. You're going to turn the corner. It's not always going to be this way. And they they help you to see the, the cup that is half full and not half empty. And they encourage others like Paul to be thankful in all things, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. It's Paul the exhorter who wrote the book of Philippians, which is known as the letter of joy or the joyful letter. And he wrote that from a prison, even in a prison. Paul is exhorting, encouraging, come on, don't worry about it, God's with you, we're going to win this thing. The motivation of an exhorter is to see spiritual growth take place in everyday living. In general, they like to see people grow in grace. They've got a motivation to encourage people to achieve maturity in Jesus Christ. In fact, they're willing to become personally involved in order to see it achieved. Amen. What I love about the gift um, with exhorters and exhortation is they see not obstacles, but challenges. They don't see trials. They see possibilities, uh, not problems. They turn problem into benefits. They unquestioningly believe, Romans 8.28, that God is going to work all things together for the good. So, is the Holy Spirit nudging your heart with the words, That's you? Now, friend, if that's you, you have a much needed gift, especially in times like we're in right now. And who have you been exhorting lately? Have you gotten yourself into a position where where you can exhort others? Have you been exhorting others along the way? Uh, Have you been exhorting others in the house of God here? Did you know that we have so many ministries people can get involved in? And do you know how badly we're hurting for volunteers? Oh, we need volunteers in the house of God. We need volunteers in with cameras. You know, there's a camera filming me right now. We desperately need volunteers to step up and, and help run some of these cameras. We need volunteers all throughout the church. And how sad that a tiny few are doing all the work for the many. And I want to exhort you here. This is about exhortation. So let me exhort you. Are you using your gift in the house of God? Are you getting out there and have you said to somebody in leadership, hey, this is my gift, where can I use it? I want to get involved. I want to help Turning Point go forward and advance the kingdom of God. Because we need you. We need your gift. We need your ability. We need what God has graced you with. So is the Holy Spirit saying to you regarding being an exhorter, that's you? Well, then you've got a wonderful, much-needed gift. May I encourage you, get to exhorting. Now, the fifth motivational gift is giving. Well, this is a great one. Let he who gives do it with liberality, the Bible says. Now, the Greek word here for giving is metadidomi, metadidomi. And it means to give over. To share or to impart. Paul said it's to be done with simplicity, sincerity, and liberality. In fact, in Romans 12, 13, Paul expands on how this gift is to be used. He says in the King James Version, distributing to the necessity of the saints given to hospitality. And in the NIV, it says, share with God's people who are in need, practice hospitality talking about giving practical things, material things. You know, we read in the Bible that there were many well-to-do women who followed Christ and the apostles around and gave to them financially to take care of their needs as they preached the kingdom of God. Now, that's, that's just some well-to-do women that were back in Jesus' day who had been saved, who believed on him, and they became givers. And, you know, Paul said, uh, he said, uh, he talked about the Philippian church giving to him. And it is because they gave to him that God was able to do exceeding abundantly above all that they were able to ask for or even think of, that it was God who was going to give back to them. So giving is, is, is a gift. Now, everybody ought to be a giver. Everybody ought to support, I believe, their local church uh, financially on one level or another. I, I think everybody should. Because we're all together advancing the kingdom of God, and we need everybody's help. But then there is the person with the gift of giving. Now, it's their thing; it's their passion. And what you'll find is, um, Matthew, the Matthew's Gospel, talks about <clears throat> the gift of giving more than any of the others. Matter of fact, if you want to read about giving, read the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, because Matthew really, really talks about giving. He profiles what a giver looks like. And so does Proverbs. Matthew records more about money, stewardship, resources, and finances more than any other writer. Matthew does. Now, the definition of the spiritual motivational gift of giving is simply this. Here comes the definition. The ability to earn money for the advancement of God's work and to give it with wisdom and a cheerful heart. Now that's the giver. Let me say it again. The ability to earn money for the advancement of God's work, and to give it with wisdom and a cheerful heart. You will never have to ask a person with the gift of giving to tithe. This person doesn't just give for the sake of giving, but they give for the definite purpose of furthering God's work. They know that money is either bad or good it's neutral. It's whatever you decide to use it for. And so the the person with the gift of giving says, well, I'm going to advance the kingdom of God, and that's what I'm going to give for. So if I see a need, I'm going to meet that need, because it's going to advance the kingdom of God. soul-winning, helping a local church with its uh, various financial obligations. You name it. The person with the gift of giving is there, and they love giving. And they will always say, I don't want to be known. I'm going to give you this gift, and I don't want anybody to know about it. They love giving secretly. They don't want it to be trumpeted. They don't want their name out there in lights. No, the person with the genuine motivational gift of giving doesn't want their name lifted up. They want to do it in secret. I can tell you that we've had a couple of times lately where we were uh, raising funds. We raised funds for the precious people of Ukraine. We raised money and we raised all kinds of material things to send them. And we raised money for the new studio. And I can tell you, a couple of people came forward with very large gifts and they said, I don't want anybody to know about this. This is between you and me and God. And I said, You got it. Thank you. And their joy was simply in acquiring the funds and in giving them to advance the kingdom of God. Now, most churches won't have an abundance of people with this gift, but God places a few in every church. And maybe your motivational spiritual gift is giving. That's who you are. That's your desire. That's your drive. And that's what motivates the ministry that you're involved in. Is the Holy Spirit saying to you, dear friend? That's you. That's your gift. And if it is, then The Bible says, then give with liberality and flow in that gift. God has given it to you. Now, the sixth motivational gift is leading. Now, the King James Version calls it ruling. He that ruleth, let him do it with diligence. The NIV translates it into the word leadership. If it is leadership, let him govern or lead diligently. The Greek word is proistemi. That's the Greek word, proistemi, and again, you'll see it's a compound word. Uh, Pro means before, and istemi, to stand. So literally, uh, the person with the motivational gift of leading means the person who is going to stand before. They're going to stand before the people and say, this is the way we need to go. Proistemi, to stand before. It, it, it describes the person who rules over others or oversees, gives oversight to other people, tasks them with what needs to be accomplished. It has to do with leadership, organizing, giving direction. It's the person up front saying, here we go. Let's go. Come on. We're marching to the same tune. We, we, we've got unity of mind, unity of heart. Let's go. And that's what proiste me, the. The person with a motivational gift of of leading, this is what they do. This is what motivates them. The definition of this gift is as follows. A person with the ability to coordinate the activities of others for the achievement of a common goal. say it again. A person with the ability to coordinate the activities of others for the achievement of a common goal. So they bring everybody together. They say, here's our goal, here's our target, let's go. And they rally the people together to head in the same direction, to the same destination, to achieve the same goal. That's the motivational gift of leading. And they love doing it. Projects and tasks are done in a way that promotes the work of God and the personal growth of those involved. And man, this is such a needed gift in the church of Jesus Christ. It's it's a God-given capacity to organize and administrate with such great efficiency and spirituality that not only is the project brought to a satisfactory conclusion, but it's done harmoniously and with evident blessing. In other words, when when somebody with the motivational gift of leading rallies the crowd, rallies the group, and points the group to that destination, to that goal, they're going to get there. They're going to get there. And they're going to achieve that goal. And so since the church so often involves itself in goals, things that need to be achieved, things that need to be reached, things that need to be done, we need leaders. We need people with this motivational gift of living, leading saying, come on everybody, let's come together, let's go. We're going to tackle this and we're going to get there. Like the prophetic motivation, the administrative gift has vision. They are visionary people with a broad perspective and in, in upholding that vision for others to see, they can inspire incredible accomplishments. And they're usually self-starters. The leaders are almost always self-starters. They don't have to be prodded. They don't have to be told what to do. Once they get the glimpse and they see the goal, they know where they're headed, and they know, they know who they need to bring with them in order to accomplish the goal. So as we describe this gift, the administrator, the motivational gift of leading, is the Holy Spirit saying to you, this is you. This is you. If that's you, we need you. If that's you, let me ask you, what are you leading? Are you leading anybody anywhere? Because now is the time, dear friend, for everybody in the house of God to discover their motivational spiritual gift and use it so that everybody is edified. And so as we quoted earlier, the Father in heaven is glorified. Amen? Now we got one last motivational gift, and this is one of my favorites the motivational gift of mercy. The meaning behind the word mercy is to be understanding, compassionate, and loving. To have pity on. To be compassionate by word or deed, and specifically moved and motivated by divine grace. There's no doubt about it, where Paul was the exhorter, and I I do believe that, for instance, Moses had the gift of leading. That's I didn't mention that, but I do believe Moses did. So did Joshua. They needed strong leaders in those days. Uh, but but when it comes to the gift of mercy in the New Testament, no doubt John is your guy, the Apostle John. Uh, he's probably the person who personifies the gift of mercy more than any other. When you think about the Gospel of John and you think about the epistles that he wrote, uh, John uses the word love more than any other disciple. My little children love one another. My little children this, my little children that. He was so gentle. He was so sensitive to people. Uh, he called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, let me point out, he's not bragging, saying, I'm the disciple that really loved Jesus. But he's just saying, you know, Jesus really loved me. And that's that's the voice of the person with the motivational gift of mercy. That's John. John's teachings and his personal relationship illustrate that his primary focus was on love and on unity. We know that he was very close to the apostle Peter. He was the one that leaned his head on Jesus' chest at the Last Supper. Um, John was a relater. John was a relationship guy. He was. He was the merciful apostle. Now, the person with the motivational gift of mercy has several key features or characteristics, and let me share them with you. One, a keen ability to sense joy or to sense distress. They've got antenna. You may be trying to put on a strong face, but if you're dying on the inside or if you're hurting on the inside, the person with the motivational gift of mercy is gonna home in on that Discern that, and and they're gonna they're gonna bust your facade, and they're gonna say, "What's the matter? Tell me the truth, because I'm sensing something is wrong." They're always reaching out to somebody uh, to help them emotionally. The the person with the motivational gift of mercy is really keyed in on your, your emotional condition. Are you sad? Are you glad? Are you hurting? Are you heartbroken? Are you rejoicing? Are you victorious? Are you um, preoccupied? Are you burdened? Are you uh, whatever you're happy, you happen to be going through emotionally? The person with the motivational gift of mercy is going to sense it. They have the ability. It's a God-given sense to feel the atmosphere of joy or distress. Where there is misery, pain, suffering, grief, tribulation, they've got a sharp. Sensitive awareness of someone else's needs. They can walk right into a church and within 10 or 15 minutes get a real reading on the emotional condition of that church. Is it a rejoicing church? Is it a burdened church? Is is it a half dead church? Is it a preoccupied church? Uh, Are they divided? The person with the gift of mercy can home in on these things and sense them. And they want to remove hurt feelings. They say, "Hey, I know exactly what you're going through." They empathize. They are, they are masters at empathizing, sympathizing. Oh, I know exactly what you're going through. Oh, I know. They weep with those who weep. They rejoice with those who rejoice. Um, oh, I, let me pray with you. Uh, you know, let me enter your pain with you, and let me help walk you through this until you're at a place of healing, A mercy motivation, is more interested in healing than in teaching some spiritual lesson like the teacher might be concerned with. Uh, They'll have more concern for mental distress than for physical distress. They're very, very sensitive to hurtful words and hurtful actions uh, done to somebody on the part of someone else. Have you ever been in a conversation, for instance, when you thought everybody was in agreement And you said something that might have been a little bit sharp, and somebody said, Now, I don't really think that was a very kind thing for you to say. That wasn't very nice for you to say. And all of a sudden, you kind of felt a little bit rebuked by the person with a motivational gift of mercy. Because when you spoke against someone else, or even in a way that they could have picked up or uh, been concerned that it hurt somebody else, they're the ones who are going to say something because they really are concerned with people being in a good place emotionally, healthy, whole, Christ-like, pure, joyful. And you know what? Somebody with a mercy motivation has a need for very deep friendships. As I already pointed out, John was very close with Jesus and he was very close with Simon Peter. And and you you get the the, the feeling as he names names and 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, he mentions people with very, very strong um, Christ-like affection. And you can tell this man was a relater. He had a lot of deep, meaningful friendship. Where the person with the prophetic motivation doesn't tend to move in that near as much. In fact, John, as I've already said, referred to himself as he whom Jesus loved relationship meant everything to him. So as we've talked about this motivational gift of mercy, has the Holy Spirit nudged your heart and said, this is you, this is you. So if it's you, again, can I ask, is there anywhere where the gift is being used? Have you looked for a place in our church where the gift could be used? Um, Because we need people stepping forward, getting out of the bleachers and onto the field, running the ball with us, helping us to score touchdowns, not just cheering from the sidelines. We need people on the field. And I guess in this last message, I want to close up making another appeal for volunteers. We need volunteers in the house of God. Um, How long has it been since you volunteered? How long has it been? A a few days? A few weeks? A few months? Years? Maybe never? Where you said, you know, I want to get involved in my local church. I want to get onto the field. I want to run for a throw. I want to catch that ball. I want to help them run it down the field. I want to help them score touchdowns and bring some destruction to the kingdom of Satan and some advancement to the kingdom of God. And if, if that's you, and I believe it is, I believe this is deep in the heart of every true believer. You want your life to count. You want it to matter. We've looked at seven motivational gifts. We've seen that every Christian has been given a gift. And as Peter said, use it. As Paul said, use it. And as the Holy Spirit said, use it. So I encourage you, ask somebody in leadership, let me in on what the needs of the church are. Where can I volunteer? And when you look at the list of, of areas you can volunteer, because the leadership can prov- uh, provide it for you, I assure you, and any of the uh, pastors, um, people in leadership can provide you a list. They will get you a list. And as you look down that list, be looking okay, what appeals to my inner motivational gift? And then go plug in and let God use you, for night is coming when no man can work. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for this series on motivational gifts. Thank you, Lord, for showing us that we've all got a gift. Thank you for helping us to get plugged in and involved. And we pray that you will raise up among us many new giftings being released in the house of God so that everybody is edified. In Jesus' name, amen.